Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 65. The uh, Hendrick Motorsports is on fire, and um, Will Power is still angry about what happened to him. Episode of the Grip Strip Podcast. Um, heads up to props to D for listening since I gave him the link. Uh, great times all the time. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host. I'm with my co-host and trusty sidekick and uh, sim racing uh, genius, Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. And, you know, the eraser uh, prelim uh, for the Firecracker 400 was last night. Participated in that. We'll get into that later. Dell Jr. was in it. Uh, Kyle Busch was in one of them, not in the session that I was in, uh, but definitely good to race against professional drivers, professional esports guys, uh, and you know, good good racing at Indy, uh, whatever racing for NASCAR. And then of course, you know, we'll talk about all that stuff. But uh, glad to be back on this week. Absolutely, we're going to get into the doubleheader at Detroit, the Penske Special at Belle Isle, which saw uh, Marcus Erickson get his first win in 10 years uh, in an Indy car, of course, at, uh, after Will Power's car wouldn't restart, and then he lost his mind. It wasn't as good as the double birds at New Hampshire, but 10 years later, basically, he did his double birds now, um, minus carrying the MAGA flag because his wife is a maggot. Um, then you had the second race, which saw Patricio Award uh, absolutely just go balls out. And on the last restart, pass like five cars, get away and do an epic performance. I mean, the reality is in terms of Mexican drivers, everyone thinks about Adrian Fernandez and there's other people like Jose Lagarza, whatever. But in regards to, like, the best Mexican driver, Pato Award is so young. He's only 22. He is an absolute animal. Uh, and for for Schmidt, Spam, whatever, to be that good on restarts, like the whole entire grid, everybody else, because that race ended early, they are like, how do they get heat in the tires? How do they do? I mean, there's been accusations of them doing some sketchy stuff back in the past with James Hinchcliffe when he qualified on pole at Indy. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, Paddle Award, they can say whatever they want. Paddle Award is, is, is a bulletproof kind of guy. You give him the kind of car that they gave him this on Sunday and you know, they gave him a Texas. The guy's a freaking animal. Uh, and fundamentally, he's one of the best young talents there's been in a long time. And he's a good personality. It's great for to have a Mex another great Mexican driver. Uh, you know, the rivalry that he has with Colton Herta. If IndyCar knew how to promote, would be a great one. Uh, you know, the championship is intriguing and we'll get into all of that. We'll get into the bullshit that went on at Texas. Uh, Goosage's last ride was just as shitty as everybody thought it would be. Um, you'll get into the SRX debut at Stafford Springs, which, uh, was, was really cool. Saw Doug Kobe give up a chance at possibly winning his seventh 
a NASCAR wheel and modified title, but he won on national TV, busted his ass getting out of the car, but he won on national TV uh, on probably the biggest crowd or most amount of people has ever watched Doug Kobe win a race, considering how great he is. Uh, it was an interesting night for sure. Uh, they've already made changes for what's going to come this weekend at uh, at Knoxville. Um, and then Miss Hummer wannabe Haley Deegan's going to be in one of the cars for whatever reason. Probably because Ray Evernam needs another wife. Um, we'll get into the, all that. We'll get into the roundup, which is busy. We'll preview Road America, Paul Ricard for Formula One, IndyCar Road America, NASCAR. Nashville, Junebug, uh, will be coming back with NBC. We'll get into Josh's Sim segment, which of course he was running the Firecracker 400, and uh, he fared pretty well from what little I got. But of course, we'll get more details, and then we will close tonight. So yeah, IndyCar, Detroit, uh, the Marcus Erickson. Gets his first career IndyCar win, first win in 10 years um, after uh, the whinge power uh, epic meltdown. He had the race won, and he probably should have. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm no willpower guy, but I got I completely understand why he had the meltdown that he did, uh, because honestly, he got screwed and fundamentally Marcus Erickson benefited from that. It kind of makes sense after what happened to Felix Rosenquist when his throttle stuck and he completely owned that concrete barrier uh, to the point where he was knocked out um, for, it took a long time to get him out of the car. Thankfully he's going to be all right, but he missed the second race, Oliver Askew, who's the best silver that I've ever seen, I think, uh, had to fill in with literally 10 minutes of running. Um, and they think they had an engine problem and they had to park him. But then now he already has another gig because of something we'll talk about for the Road America preview in regards to Renus VK. Um the fact of the matter is he's got a, uh, a ride, so he's going to be like the new super sub Mamo Gidley. They post, I think, uh, open uh, open wheels. I forget, not open wheels, like Champ Web posted that. Like he's the new uh, super sub, so that'll be something to see. Um, yeah, I mean, Erickson, VK, Award were the podium on on Saturday with Sato and Green Rehall, Sin and Rupier Floathead making uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan 4th through 6th, Rossi, Dixon, Jones, and Newgarden, the top 10. Uh, but when it comes to Dixon led 16 laps, Power led the most laps. After that, though, um, it was uh, pretty much like, at the end of the day, uh, Will Power had this race won, and uh, that that uh, caution for Jimmy Johnson um, late 
basically cost him a chance at victory. But I guess we'll start with that, Josh. Uh, having uh, Marcus Erickson kind of go in for solidarity for his brother, Felix Rosenquist, uh, Swedish brother, to go and kind of um, take up for him after what that epic crash. I mean, I think that's really what it is. The story of that race is not is Rosenquist's crazy crash powers ECU flaming off and all the and his epic meltdown. And then the third thing was, oh yeah, uh, Marcus Erickson won his first race in ten years. Yeah, the story of that was definitely, I think, willpower. I mean, I think the most important was was uh, willpower's, uh, I guess, uh, engine not having the willpower to make it through that red red flag and being able to, uh, you know, get uh, back fired up for the restart there. And it, it seemed, I guess, it seemed unfair for him that you know wasn't able to you know get restarted whereas everybody else had to pass him and then he you know fell a lap down trying to get restarted and everything and you know of course willpower i mean he's had you know times in the past where he's gotten angry at the officials you know you mentioned uh the double birds at new hampshire in 2011 i mean i remember uh pocono uh 2014 uh fontana after that mess in 2015 where he was pretty mad in his post-race interview uh so there have been instances you know willpower kind of is a, a whiny baby i guess but you know it it wasn't a uh, I mean, we, I think we understand why this one, because, you know, he was in the lead for most of the race and, and, uh, worked really hard to get a win and should have won that race. And I think we all question whether or not they should have gone uh red flag for that. I think that's the most important point is like, I don't think they should have. I mean, I think, you know, I'm kind of an old school guy. I think if they're going to finish under caution, then let's finish under caution or they should try to. Uh, speed up the the cleanup enough, I guess, or, or lessen the amount of caution laps uh, to get back under green. Like they need to figure out like a, I guess a, a balance without, you know, stopping the race. Like they should only stop the race. Like if it's a severe accident, like if it was Felix Rosenkrantz crashing like that with five laps to go or whenever it was. So I think um, that definitely was not fair for power. Obviously uh, works out for Marcus Erickson. He didn't really have to pass him because like, I think they were kind of battling when that caution came out and, and then uh, power was getting uh, ready to pull away. I think and then Grosjean crashed and then the ECU happened under the red flag and then Erickson yeah, it was Grosjean, took the lead. Sorry. Yeah. Grosjean. Yeah. And then he took the lead uh, after that and, was able to hold off. Uh, everybody else was able to hold off. VK uh, award was coming, but uh, didn't have enough time. And so he, that, that was the end of being the race. And then of course, Rosenquist, his accident, I mean, as an unfortunate accident, I mean, but then uh, he almost left the track and entirely with the way that the car just went over the, uh, the barrier like that. I think he was going a little bit faster, probably might've cleared it maybe, but of course, uh, no physical injuries, no broken bones or anything like that. But I mean, I'm sure it's probably like a concussion or something and they probably just haven't released the details or anything. I mean, obviously that's speculation, but it's probably true. Uh, the reason why they're holding him out of uh, the second race or they held him out of the second race and then now holding him out of uh, Road America uh, where he's going to get replaced uh, in that race by, uh, well, not Olive Rasky, that was in the second race, but uh uh, Kevin Magnuson. Yeah, Magnuson is going to make his debut at Road America. So 
uh, a lot of storylines there. And now that gives an opportunity for Magnuson to show what he can do in an Indy car. We've already seen what he can do in the IMSA sports cars with Ganassi. Now we get to see uh, what he's able to do in, uh, I guess, a kind of a opportunity to get a second chance in an open wheel car here in the United States. So the first day, definitely a, a, a lot of uh, wild storylines, but uh, certainly uh, I feel like the, the way that the finish in the second day happened was a uh, uh, pretty epic. I mean, New Garden had that race and they went on a different tire strategy and they were, they went with uh, uh, reds to start the race. And then they went on blacks, I think. And, and then uh, everybody else was, I guess, on a different strategy than them. And then that allowed award with the, the pace that he had at the end of that race, uh, the final couple of restarts, he was just able to pass guys, pass Scott Dixon uh, on the uh, second to last restart. And then he was able to pass uh, Polo and uh, Herta at the very end there and just pick off positions and then made touched wheels with uh, New Garden there. And, and then he was able to pass him. So uh, a lot of um, action there. That was a pretty exciting finish uh, for, for the second race, although uh, Newgarden did dominate. And I mean, it, again, you look at that and probably Penske should have won that race if, if they yeah. didn't play their cards right. But uh, first time winner for on day one and then uh, second day uh, first or uh, multiple time winner for the first time this season and, yeah. and now award taking the, the points title uh, for this race. Yeah, points lead for Paddle Award. Uh, getting past New Garden, uh, Penske had a chance to win both of those races, and they haven't won a race all year. You think about that, eight races so far this year, uh, and Penske has not won any of them. It's crazy when you consider how good of a team they have. Um, Pato Awards, the first repeat winner so far this year, too, uh, with Spam, and that's... It's mainly because, I mean, they have a great, they have a good, really good pit crew, but it's, it's paddle award. Um, that's the best driver that team has ever had in their whole entire existence. And um, frankly, uh, the guy's an animal. Uh, I mean, Zach Brown knows it. I mean, you have Sergio Perez coming out today during the press conference talking about how good he is. And so, I mean, you know, like Sergio Perez has won Formula One races. I mean, he was a ride buyer initially, and he's now become a proper, you know, Formula One driver and a winner. And he's giving props a paddle award. He knows it. So, I mean, he's, he's a beast. Award, New Garden, Polo, the podium. Herta, Graham Rehall. Uh, Power, Dixon, Pagano, Erickson, and Rupier Floathead after crashing and qualifying the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan team, uh, repairing the car using parts from Sato's Indy 500 car. So it wasn't even a proper uh, road course setup, and Rupier Floathead uh, was able to get a couple of top tens. It looks like between Hy-Vee and him, the angle is they're going to go to a three-car team. I don't know how many more races he's going to run this year, but more than likely he he hedged, didn't stay with the uh, Vassar-Sullivan team, uh, went to drive NASCAR for like two minutes, and then decided 
I have tried made an opportunity with uh, Ray Hall Letterman, and then now with Hyvie wanting to support him, kind of makes sense. Uh, it kind of fits the mold. Uh, he's going to be around as a third driver with uh, Ray Hall and Sato starting in uh, 2022. So, hey, at least it's another competitive car on the grid, you know, when you consider NASCAR has dead weight at the back of their grid. And you think about Formula One with like Putin Haas and to a lesser extent Williams and like Alfa Romeo and stuff like that. In other series where they don't even have grids, the fact that IndyCar is able to generally send out a 24 to 26 car grid and the vast majority of those cars are not, are actually competitive. It's worthwhile. Um, in terms of the standings going into this weekend at Road America, a Patricio Award has a one-point lead on Alex Pillow. Uh, two polls for Pato Award. Two wins versus one for Pillow. Same amount of podiums. And uh, average finish is very close. Um, Dixon is third, 36 points behind. Newgarden fourth, 51 points behind. Renus VK is fifth. 56 points behind, tied with Simon Pagano, but uh, Renus VK, as Josh mentioned, uh, you know, they he got hurt riding a bike uh, this week for training and broke uh, something in his shoulder. Then he got his clavicle. So he's going to be out this weekend, and Oliver Askew is actually going to fill in for him which is interesting, uh, I guess, because I he isn't a theoretical contracted spam driver anymore uh, because he drives for Andretti Autosport and LMP3 and IMSA with, uh, with um, Adam Andretti. And then he, that's his main job. I think he's drew in other things, but that's probably why he's driving that 21 car, which is a huge opportunity considering how great Rena's VK has been uh, this year. And um, him and Connor Daly probably will be able to play off really well with each other. And then, of course, um, Josh also mentioned Kevin Magnuson. So the two teammates from Putin, what was Haas F1, uh, will both be in an Indy car. At Road America, not in Paul Ricard in France. Uh, you know, Kevin Magnuson, his father, Jan, is a legend here in the States. Uh, he ran Formula One, then basically got dismissed and came to the United States, ran for Penske, ran for Hogan, and before he ended up doing what he's done in sports cars for decades, which is dominate first with Panos and then with the Corvette team. So now Kevin's followed that path. Kevin and Jan are going to race with each other at Le Mans in a, in a couple of months. And then um, Kevin's also going to follow his dad's footsteps and run an Indy car. And Roman Grosjean's been having a solid yet unspectacular year uh, at times with the, the uh, wear team with Dale coin. So that'll be cool to see those two guys. They had a great video. Ma, uh, what is it? Michelin did a video with the two guys and that was really cool. You could see how close they really were together. 
and how much of a great relationship they built. And it's kind of sad considering how pathetic the current situation is at Putin Haas and how one guy um, is basically oblivious to anything he does. And Mick Schumacher is just trying to make sure he doesn't die. Um, it shows how pathetic that team is. But um, yeah, so Erickson is in seventh. Ray Hall after a couple of top tens. Eighth, Herda. Ninth at Takuma Sato. Death in the points for IndyCar. Um, I mean, I guess we can do one other piece. I mean, do does the events of this weekend really do do you believe that paddle award is a favorite now i mean i personally i'm a paddle award guy so i'll i'll put it out there i think frank and missy indie sports car podcast they got me on a paddle award and i've become a mark but he's not the favorite scott dixon will always, to me, will always be the favorite. As long as he's within, like, 50, 75, as long as he said it himself a couple years ago or maybe last year, as long as he's within 100 points, he still has a chance. He's only 36 points behind. He hasn't had the great... They gave away the Indy 500, any chance at the Indy 500, because of the Stefan Wilson yellow. In the second race, I think he was up there, or one of the races... He was up there, and then they, they're the Rosen. It was race one. He was leading, and then they had to do emergency pit service. So then he was out there. So he's lost a ton of points just based on those two races. Uh, he could still theoretically be in the points lead, but you know we're halfway through the year. Honestly, um, is Pato the favorite to you, Josh, or is it somebody else? Well, I don't know yet. It's uh, tough to say. I think right now you can say that Pato Award's the favorite, but I don't really think there's any like true favorite just yet. Now, if Pato Award goes and wins this weekend, which I think is very possible given how that race for him ended up last year, he should have probably won that race last year and is probably going to have uh, a vengeance to go out and win that one. Um, now, well, maybe he won't, but I mean, certainly wants to uh, definitely win the race that he should have won last year. And, and uh, if he wins that one, then he, I think he's definitely closer to being the uh, absolute favorite for the title. But I mean, I think right now you have to look at it and with uh, him, Paddle Ward uh, and Alex Pillow, and then Scott Dixon, like you mentioned, I, I don't think it's uh, quite time to name a, a favorite because I think right now any of them can uh, get back into the title or uh, ex you know extend their point lead and, and uh, become the the overall leader because right now it is kind of a at a draw essentially one point over Alex Pelot, uh for Pato Award so uh, Pelot could win this weekend as well I mean he won the first race of the year uh, should have won the Indianapolis 500 so I think uh, for him he's definitely has a lot of opportunity to make a case for himself this weekend as well and then of course Scott Dixon we can't forget about him. I mean, you look at his career, how he's won championships. You go back to 2015, where uh, Juan Montoya basically led from the start of the year all the way to the end of the year. And then at Sonoma, uh, Scott Dixon was able to take yeah. away the title from him. So I think for Dixon, is able to, uh, as long as he's, uh, you know, in, in that distance, like you said, and he's able to just pull off podiums and get a couple wins, uh, you can never count him out of the title race in IndyCar. Yeah, that's... 
that's something that we're going to have to run out here. They're going to run this weekend at Road America. There'll be a couple weeks. They go to mid-Ohio. There'll be a one-month break, uh, probably based on, you know, the Olympics and all that. Uh, And then they'll run Nashville, Indy GP for the second time, and then Gateway in three weeks in a row. Uh, They'll run the new Nashville, the Joseph Newgarden Grand Prix. And then the second, uh, what was the Harvest Grand Prix last year? I don't know what they'll call it this year. And then the Bomberito uh, Automotive Group 500K at Gateway, uh, which is one of the premier events on the schedule. Then they'll get a few weeks off, and then they'll run three consecutive races to end the season, Portland, Laguna, and then the Grand Prix of Long Beach Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach to end the season. So it'll be very difficult end of the year because, you know, outside of Portland where you have a couple of passing zones, uh, Laguna Seca's, I think, on the best day is maybe one and a half, maybe two passing zones. Uh, Long Beach is Long Beach. I think there's probably two. Pa- so it's you have to qualify well. Um you know, making the fast six, making the fast 12 to get in the fast six um, will will be big as we get into the rest of the season. Uh, for the Cup Series, they were at um, Texas Motor Speedway, Goosage World, and uh, they had the all-star race, and uh, Hendrick Motorsports won five of the six stages. Larson won the first and the last stage. Held off uh, Brad Keselowski there in a 10-lap segment. He Brad had a chance a couple times to try to clear. He probably would have cleared himself across the nose of Larson, which in the end might have ended up wrecking both of them, which might have been better uh, for the world. But Larson's uh, hot streak continues, even with the new package. I think they ran the same BAS big ass spoiler on the back like it was a super speedway they ran less horsepower which was akin to running talladega or daytona back in the day where it was like 500 horsepower couldn't get any run off the corners but they had so much drag that if you could get into a draft uh, you could make a pass but otherwise it was kind of a shit show uh, across the board the whole entire night, but then it's Texas Motor Speedway. So what do you really expect, right, Josh? I mean, you can't really expect anything with Texas. Uh, I mean, the first uh, open segments, they, they had wrecks on the the start in the first couple of restarts. So initially it could have been a, a wild race, but then they got settled in after that in the second uh, stage of the open, Tyler Reddick won, and then third stage, uh, Eric Almirola won. But yeah, like you said, like, this race like as long as you could get a run uh starting from turn two and then just keep in the draft of whoever was in front of you all the way to turn one uh that's basically where you could pass and for larson i mean he was able to pass in turn three and four went way up into the grip strip uh you know shout out to us there that's that's our our groove but uh he was able to pass chase elliott there on the outside line and then was able to hold off uh 
Brad Keselowski and Keselowski, you know, he had a couple of chances, but uh, just didn't have enough uh, to get there and, and uh, hold on uh, to pass him, uh, Pascal Larson. So, uh, I mean, it wasn't really that great of a race. I mean, I guess, you know, the, the last, you know, 10 laps of that race was pretty entertaining. Maybe the first part of it was entertaining, but for the most part, I mean, it was whatever. I mean, I think we do have to mention the uh, concert that happened to start the race uh, with, uh, I don't know who it was, whichever old rocker that was. But Sammy was Hagar. Yeah, Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And then they, I mean, it was ironic because he was singing, I can't drive 55 and talking about how he needs to uh, be able to, you know, get up onto the, you know, speed limit and or above the speed limit and pass traffic and stuff. And it, it, it was unironic because it uh, basically was the, you know, we talked about the cup cars, not being able to pass, not having enough horsepower or now they're restricting the horsepower. It's like, this is like almost a self-reflection and they like unintentionally uh, insulted themselves or something with, with that. So that was a interesting start and never seen anything like that. And hopefully they don't ever bring that kind of thing back. We'll see. (laughs) Let's hope because I mean, they're going to probably run somewhere around 575 and 650, I think with the gen seven next gen, whatever you want to call it, car. Uh, with I don't know what kind of spoiler angle they're gonna have, or how many, uh, like how many inch spoiler are gonna have. Hopefully, it's a little itty bitty, uh, blade on there, like a one inch spoiler. You run that with like around six hundred horsepower, and then you get the dang car off the ground. They aren't sealed off. And then you kind of go from there. I think that's the basis. That's what it should be. But it won't be because you have so many dopes that are in the sport that don't know anything about racing and don't know what works for racing. You have to back off into the corners, driving flat out. It's like being in the IRL. Like you're 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 trying to make what the IRL was in its theoretical heyday. If there's a such thing considering how shitty that series was. Um, running multiple multiple lines at like one and a half mile racetracks, basically being on the edge of trying to kill somebody, and they ended up doing it. So that's what NASCAR is trying to do, and it doesn't work. And you could have eighty four stages, you could come up with eighteen inverts. The point is, the five car was the best car. Uh, Larson doesn't have no sponsorship the they're trying to run him the way that to me it fits this and i don't know if you agree with this josh but i look at the way that larson is this year after clyde went and won this title last year winning the last two races no less and then in it 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 has a parallel to 2001 where jeff gordon of course finally won a championship without ray everingham he won races without Ray Evernham, uh, with Robbie Loomis, the former Richard Petty uh, crew chief, and the Richard Petty's last crew chief, and of course Petty Enterprises' disciple. And then in 2002, this upstart duo came into the team, and they gave him Jeff Gordon's stuff, and they started winning races, and they contended. Uh, his name is Jimmy Johnson. And the crew chief is Chad Knauss, and they use that equipment to kind of go 
and put themselves in a position to compete in 2002, and they finished fifth in points with three wins, but somehow they didn't win Rookie of the Year uh, because it's NASCAR. I don't. I still don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about it now, like how the hell that didn't happen, but, you know, whatever. Ernie Irvin didn't win Rookie of the Year either. There's other people that got screwed. But I think about that, and I kind of look at this situation where Clyde gave and that team gave the five whatever whatever the hell they were i i forget which team it was the 48 team uh, equipment because they have no sponsorship and uh they're trying to figure out a way to cultivate sponsorship at the same time larson hungry uh trying to prove himself again and give himself respect and all that whole bit after doing the hard r conveniently the five car is the best car has been the best car, one of the best cars the whole entire year. And now he's he's winning races. So, I mean, credit to him. He's one of only a few people that's won two all-star races. Uh, but, I mean, uh, it's Texas. I, I really don't know what else you can say. It was basically a, a, a clusterfuck uh, on Sunday. It was a waste of time, really. Um, in regards to the finishing results, uh, Brad or Kyle Larson over Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, uh, Logano, Blaney, the top five, Bowman, Byron, Almarola, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, your top 10, uh, William Byron actually led the most laps in 30. Um, and then the second most laps led was Kyle Larson with 17 so everybody was running at the end of the race which is something too so i guess cars aren't that hard to drive um yeah we'll kind of go from that to um the open race where um you know the drivers were Ross Chastain, who was very aggressive, Tyler Reddick to a lesser extent, Eric Almiro, who was very emotional. Um, I mean, was there any, like, notable omissions? Like, they talk about all these polls, and they talk about who who's going where, and, like, you know, there are certain people that probably should have been in or based on what their car was doing in the open race, which was carnage-filled, as you said, Josh. Um, was there anybody that you felt like could have probably went into the big show and uh, shown themselves well versus, you know, being on the sidelines? Well, I think it's probably Chase Briscoe because I think at the end of the uh, third stage, he had started kind of in the back and he had took a pit stop. Uh, I, I think at the beginning of that stage and then he was able to make his way up, up to like third place or fourth yeah. place at the end of that one. So I think if, you know, they had more laps and I don't know, you know, 20 or 30 laps, he probably could have gotten up there and passed Eric Almarola, uh, where if, you know, he had a little bit better luck cause I, you know, he got into some of the stuff at the beginning of that race and some of that incident. And I, I think if he had been able to uh, get up there he probably could have made it in uh, to the all-star race so i think that was really the only car that was really good uh that should have gotten in uh to the all-star race that wasn't in there yeah it's 
personal bias aside, the 14 car, that might have been the best the 14 car has been all year. And they talked and Chase talked about how they found some things. And I'm like, well, it's been six, what? Is it four, four months, four and a half months? You should be able to start figuring it out at this point. You need to because you're like 26th in points. And if you or the 10 or the 41 don't do something miraculous, there's only be one Stuart Haas car in the playoffs, which is crazy considering how many teams make the playoffs. So I think Suarez kind of got, got hosed because of, you know, the one wreck. I think he would have had a chance. Uh, the 14 sustained damage. The eight sustained damage, I think. There's, but the eight ended up winning, so the second stage was all right. But, you know, the open was kind of nonsensical, but it wasn't as convoluted as the big race. Uh, so, here's what it is. We'll be going to Nashville. Um, the next thing will be the Xfinity and the trucks. Uh, it was a Kyle Busch motorsports Kyle Busch slash Kyle Busch motorsports benefit Kyle Busch is only one win away from his air quote retirement air quote end quote uh which was he dominated that race it wasn't really a a contest outside of Justin Allgaier Allgaier had a great car uh the restarts just didn't work in his favor because of the way the arrow and all that is um there is that, and then there are other things. So um, Kyle Busch, of course, wins the Xfinity race, Josh, and then his protege of sorts, John Hunter Nemechek, goes and wins yet another truck race. So, I mean, where that that's it's like, oh, you're stacking pennies, like LaJoy. It's like, no, you're stacking trophies. But then where are you stacking those trophies? Like, so... Um, Thoughts on the Saturday action, which saw Kyle Busch and later, and then uh, John Harnicek earlier, um, become victorious. Well, I think you know the Xfinity race, the Kyle Busch. I mean, he, he led most of that race, and then he was able to uh, win the race ultimately and get his 99th win. So we'll see beyond that once he gets number 100 uh if, if he's going to be in the car any longer uh or he gives it up to somebody like ty gibbs who probably should be in that car full time anyways but we'll have to see what happens uh i mean bush dominated that race basically but then it was a little bit of action i guess i mean he had to uh beat justin algar to do it uh, i mean i thought Cindric probably would have won that race but he didn't uh hammer led a handful of laps there and so did brandon jones uh, and then, you know, we had, had some, uh, cautions there. There was, you know, a couple, couple of big accidents, but you know, nothing really, uh, I mean, for the most part, it was, uh, just, a, another Texas Xfinity race. And then I think in the truck series, uh, of course, you know, we, we called it, uh, John Hunter Nemechek going out and winning another truck race. Uh, I mean, I think he had to beat Chase Elliott to do it, but. Uh, of course, he went out and won that one. Uh, I think maybe it's a little bit surprising with uh, Sheldon Creek getting in two accidents uh, in the beginning of the race and having to finish in 35th. So uh, that was uh, unfortunate for him uh, as a title contender trying to defend his title from last year and uh, certainly uh, hasn't had the best uh, start to the season this year. And uh, I think you have to look at, uh, I mean, John Hunter Nemechek's obviously 
the points leader right now, but then you of course look at last year's championship or champion and look at where they're at compared to this year. I, th- I think uh, you have to be a little bit concerned for uh, Sheldon Creed's chances to try and defend his title later in the year. But I mean, nothing in the Xfinity race or in the truck series race, like uh, there's another uh, truck series race at, at Texas. And I mean, yeah, we mentioned before it's, yeah, Texas is boring. It's whatever. So uh, uh, the expected winners, I guess, uh, won in Texas in the Xfinity and truck series. Yeah, that's about it really, honestly, with them, uh, you know, John Hunter is on a heater trying to figure out a way to get himself back to cup in, uh, or getting a full Joe Gibbs ride. And then there's the other records and other things and stuff like that. But in terms of John Hunter and Kyle Busch getting those wins, it's kind of par for the course, as you said. Um, you know, there were people might have had a chance. I mean, as I said, Allgaier might be the only person I can think of that could have had a chance given the restarts and all that. But for um what you call for in regards to the truck series uh you know john hunter is dominating that deal and i i really have a hard time believing that he's gonna lose that title um point standings it's not really changed all that much um you know there's at least for the nashville uh, Xfinity race, there's going to be um, 42 cars for 36 spots. In regards to the truck series, 43 for 36. Uh, so there's going to be a deeper field in regards to uh, these drivers and possibly um, expressing themselves a little more. Um you know, colleague has came out and said that they're going to run a new car next year in Cup. GMS announced that they're going to be running a Cup team next year, so that's interesting. Hopefully, we're getting rid of some of the uh, dead weight that exists in the series in general. Um, we'll go from the all the trio Cup. Xfinity and trucks to the new SRX series, a superstar racing experience for um, run by both Ray Evernam and Tony Stewart saw Doug Kobe win the race. Um, you had Greg Biffle won one of the heats. I think Michael Waltrip was about to win the second one and then got passed by um whatever the cyborg kind of guy and then uh so i don't know if you were able to watch josh but personally to me i enjoyed it minus miss hummer i enjoyed the broadcast having alan bestwick call anything is fine by me matt yokum should be employed still in, in some other entity and then there's other people and other things but really in the grand scheme you know you had brad doherty down there but it was a clean concise straightforward uh broadcast and i think that's an organic thing even though sean mcmahon is saying oh he's not gonna the cbs head cbs sports head is not going to go after nascar or indycar to add to the portfolio 
there's things like what happened at Stafford and what will happen in Knoxville that will make you think, oh, maybe we should actually put some more effort in there. What were your thoughts on the SRX, Josh? Well, was, uh, the XRS, SRX was uh, a fresh uh, perspective, and it was a, definitely something new that we, uh, I mean, we've seen before in terms of IROC and in terms of uh, short track racing, but it was definitely a different taste than what we've been used to the last couple of years. And and seeing all the old stars, seeing Tony Stewart race again, seeing Marco Andretti pull the three wide pass and turn three and four and take the lead very briefly uh that was all entertaining you know michael waltrip was up there uh for a bit in one of the heat races greg biffle led in the 69 car for uh, a good bit of that race and then of course doug kobe uh being in the national spotlight uh being a nascar wheeling series champion uh for many years uh in six you know six-time champion in that series and and uh could be a seven-time champion if he didn't participate in this race but the fact that this uh had so much attention and being able to be on national tv for once uh i, I think the the prospects of this race out outweighed uh, the prospects of uh, going for a seventh title for him. And then he was able to win and put his face on the uh, national spotlight and get a lot of recognition that he's probably deserved for many years. So I think that was a really good uh, part of it. I mean, the racing was uh, pretty good for the most part. Uh, you're able to see passing, you're able to see guys drive their cars uh, around the short track at Stafford. So uh, that was great. Uh, the tire management uh, aspect of it where they they had to make the tires last throughout the entire race in the primary race uh that was pretty good so i like that and of course you talk about the broadcast uh which is great uh alan beswick uh should be a cup announcer he's definitely one of the better cup announcers and it was great to hear him announce uh racing again uh i mean danica you know she was okay i mean she wasn't like uh obnoxious or anything like that like on the dw level but uh you know she's not really a a broadcaster i mean there was a couple of times you could tell that she was completely clueless like she didn't know certain aspects of the uh, series rules which i think you know you should definitely know about um before you broadcast a race and you know there was other times where she messed up, uh, up things but that you know it's whatever i don't really care about her and and uh, i mean she she uh, wasn't a, a disaster that that's all it's all i asked for for the uh, the broadcast and then you know matt yokin was pretty good uh, I mean, he's got that job, you know, because he's friends with Tony Stewart, has been friends with him for over 20 years. And then, you know, Brad Doherty in uh, the broadcast as well. That was, you know, pretty good. And and uh, the CBS, I mean, I think they did a great job overall. I mean, they probably made some minor tweaks to the graphics, but, you know, it's all right. So uh, good, good job by them. And uh, they will be racing this weekend at Knoxville. Um, and we'll see the dirt track and how that how that works out for that series and should be entertaining and we'll be excited to watch that race as well. Yeah, it'll be eight o'clock uh, Eastern time on CBS, uh, five o'clock Pacific for those who are interested for the second of six weeks. It'll be at the home of sprint car racing, Knoxville uh, Speedway, uh, or Knoxville Raceway, whatever. It's like going in, they don't like effing that up, but. It's kind of it's not as bad as Jeff Gordon seeing Wrigley Stadium, but yeah, I mean the colors will be the same. They're keeping the colors. They're gonna go and increase number font size and a couple other things. And in the grand scheme of um, things, I mean that's where that's at. So um, 
Yeah, so I'm going to go into the, yeah, and we'll we'll see what happens with the SRX. You got Haley Deegan, which is my summer 2.0 uh, coming in to race. And then you have Scott Bloomquist and his mullet uh, coming to go and race at, uh, at uh, Knoxville. So the... Um, We'll get into the GSP roundup. I have to go and get through that. MotoGP, Moto2 at Soxen Ring. Uh, we'll go over there. It's in Germany. Um, internal bikes, yeah. Go and get to results for MotoGP. The Italian, Italian Grand Prix was a couple weeks ago where Oliveira, Zarco, Miller took up the podium. They'll be racing this week at the Soxen Ring for the German Grand Prix and then followed up with the Dutch TT at uh, Assen. And then they'll take a month off for the summer break before two races in Austria, just like Formula One cars are going to be doing. Um, Guards the points, 14 points between Quattro and Zarco. And then there's a gap, or 11 points between Zarco and Miller, who's only two points uh, uh, behind or ahead Franco Bagnaia. So there'll be something that we see um, as we get towards the next races. Um let me see here in regards to uh, Moto2 results. Moto2, the Remy Gardner ended up winning over Raul Fernandez, Javi VA, um, as they go into the uh, next stage, which is uh, going and moving further forward. Remy Gardner. Raul Fernandez, 11 points. The gap between Gardner and Fernandez. Basecki, the only one, he's 38 points behind. And then after that, there's gaps. Joe Roberts is sixth in points. Um, have to go back over here. Uh, Cameron Bobier is 15th in points. Um, go and see how that old thing works out. Um, supercars at Hidden Valley uh, this weekend for uh, V8 supercars uh, for your fans that are into that series, which has become a Holden um, benefit, basically. Um, so having uh, other manufacturers in there would be probably better, but we will see about that. Um, Formula E in Mexico, uh, they have Phil, yeah. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, we'll get into the um, Formula E in Mexico. Puebla, uh, will be a track, I think they run uh, the stock car series, the Mexican stock car series, 
oval-based track layout, so that'll be um, extreme, so that'll be interesting. Um, Anti-clockwise layout. So, yeah, it'll basically be... Yeah, it'll be similar to the, um, whatever, the German, what's the track where um, Alex Zanardi got... Um, oh, Lauschitz Ring? Yeah, it'll be similar to their their road course, and then they have an oval, because that's the Puebla, that's where they run the Mexican whatever stock car series, so that's going to be interesting for sure. Wide open, it looks pretty good. So... And I mean, I wonder how altitude's going to affect that. But um, they have hard braking zones. They have a couple of hard braking zones, big sweeping corners. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The standings so far Robin Fryens has a five point lead over Nick DeVries. Um, Mitch Evans is third with 54 points. He's eight points behind. And defending series champion Antonio Felix Acosta is 10 points back. In fourth, so we will see how that all goes. Sam Bird in fifth, Stoffel Van Dorn in sixth, and John Eric Vern, two-time champion, in seventh. Um, WEC was in uh, Portugal uh, last week, which saw Buemi, Nakajima, and Hartley win over their teammates in Conway, Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez by 1.8 seconds. Uh, Nicolas Lapierre uh, in the Alpine, along with his teammates, finished third. They were on the lead lap. So those were the three hypercars. Um, the winning LMP2 car was the Antonio Felix da Costa, Anthony Davidson, Roberto Gonzalez, number 38, over... Uh, Galeel, Van Dorn, and Blumkist in fifth. And then you have um, GT Pro, which saw Alessandro Perguidi and James Collado went over Daniel Serra and Miguel Molina, uh, the teammates. They have, of course, a team that's going to be running the Ferrari prototype here in a couple of years. And they finished 1 2. Porsches finished right behind them. And then I don't know who all any of those people are. And in terms of GT, Am, uh, Ferrari, Antonio Fuco, I think it was in Formula 2 or Formula 3, Roberto LaCorte, Giorgio Sergiotto, the winners there in the Am category. And it's interesting since the, L the GTE or what is considered uh whatever gt lamas kind of going away at least on the american side but it still exists in the um european uh format um what is it Indy lights imsa detroit we have the Indy lights series was um and then with sports cars was IMSA, you know, in terms of the races, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, uh, well, that's not it, uh, results in the uh, race one, 
We saw Kyle Kirkwood, so sweep for Kyle Kirkwood in both races over Linus Lundquist. And uh, in second, Toby Sowery was third in race one. David Malukas was third in race two with Sowery fourth. Um, bunch of Americans there. Standing show, Kirkwood. Or what is it? Lundquist, Malukas, and Kirkwood are all separated by four points. So it's pretty tight between those drivers. Sowery is fourth. Then you have Devlin D. Francesco on fifth. So that's what the situation is right now in regards to Indy Lights. The IMSA. IMSA team, you had Kevin Magnuson, Renger Vanderzanda, and then the 0-1 Ganassi Cadillac over Felipe Nazar and Pippo Durrani, the Whalen Engineering Cadillac, then Ricky Taylor and Felipe Albuquerque in the number 10 Conica Minolta Acura, then Oliver Jarvis have Harry Tinknell and Tristan Vautier and Loic Duvall, along with Cameron and Pla all the DPIs. So that was that. GTLM, of course, was Corvette. Miller and Tandy win that. Richard Heiston, Jeff Westfall won in the number 39 Audi over Roman DeAngelis and Ross Gunn in the 23. And Mikhail Goikberg and Marco Mappelli in uh, Lamborghini finished third. That was the IMSA situation. Then you have British Touring Cars at Snetterton this past weekend. Um, I'm not trying to go and take do all that, but the fact of the matter, Snetterton will be the next race in regards to the scheduled drivers. Now post that and post teams. You know, that'll be the second round of the championship, Snetterton. Then they'll go a couple weeks later, and then they'll um, run at Brands Hatch the full circuit before a month break to go to Alton Park, Knock Hill, Bruxton, Croft, Silverstone, Donington, and Brands Hatch, too, are the um, remaining races there. Um in the Indy Lights calendar, then, um, or I mean, British Touring Car calendar, then World Superbikes um, race last uh, race last week. In regards to uh, Superbikes, Michael Rubin and Aldi, Topak Rastagulu, Jonathan Ray were the podium. Then in the Super Bowl race. Uh, Michael Rubin and Aldi won over Top Rack Rasagulu and Jonathan Ray. Um, Gerloff finished eighth in the Super Bowl race. Uh, Gerloff was 12th in the race one. And then. Hill. Yeah. Um, the passes up. And then the race two Topak Rasagulu, Rinaldi, and Ray were the top three. Gerloff got fifth. In race two, which um, leads us into the points, which saw Johnny Ray with a 20-point lead over Rasagulu 
And then um, bigger gap, of course, a 43-point lead to Scott Redding. And then even bigger one, Lowe's, Rinaldi are in their own kind of battle. Gerloff, Vandermark, Tom Sykes, Chaz Davies. Um, that's 11 points between 6th and ninth, And then 14 points between 6th to 10. Um, and, yeah, so that's it for the roundup for this week. Let's uh, get into Road America. Uh, Josh, I'll uh, throw to you um, in regards to what do you think? Is it going to be, will Penske uh, respond after a couple of close calls? Will um, will it be spam again with Pato Award? Will Andretti Autosport show up? Or maybe is there some other team? Will Dixon um, get another win at Road America? Or what out what what do you look for? Who do you see as favorites and um dark horses regarding uh next race at Road America? I, I mean I think for this race the Road America uh favorites are probably Pato Award and I'm I'm gonna throw in Alex Polo as well. I mean he won the first race at Barber and I think he's done it pretty well and done an excellent job on the the road the actual natural road courses on on the circuit so far this year um i think for uh, uh scott dixon uh this would be a good race to get back in uh to the title fight and inch closer back uh to uh alex polo and paddle award uh, i think for penske uh it's going to be a, a tough uh, situation for them. Uh, I think powers definitely, uh, if, if they can figure it out, they definitely, uh, be a contender. Uh, I think with, uh, power he won, or should have, uh, had a, you know, won the last race at Detroit, but also, uh, the first race of the season at Barber, he finished second to Alex Pillow. So I think it would look out for him to have a possibly another uh, a good run at least. And hopefully they can, they can actually finish and not have any problems. Um, uh, this weekend at uh, Road America, New Garden, somebody to look out for too. Uh, it was a previous winner in 2018 um, for uh, Penske at Road America, uh, and I think uh, Scott Dixon definitely uh, should have uh, uh, or should be a, a winner or you know contender there for sure. Um, I think the overall the favorites though award uh, had an excellent run last year. Definitely, he was able to uh, lead a lot of laps, and I think if they bring back this uh, similar car, have a similar type of strategy, and he's just able to hold on at the end, I think uh, he could have a really good shot of winning the race. Uh, but you know, nothing's for uh, certain here at Road America. It's uh, definitely one of the tougher uh, tracks that the series goes to, and certainly there's a, a lot of action that can happen, whether it's passing or uh, wrecks. You have a a four, 14 uh, turn course, you know, turn one uh, after, you know, going on long straight and then you get to uh, turn, well, turn two is kind of a, just a little kink, I guess. And then you get to uh, three and then you get done all the way down to uh, turn five and uh, it's a heavy braking zone. And then, you know, from there, you know, go to six, seven and eight, and then you go through the carousel and then it's kind of flat out, you know, going through the kink into kettle bottoms and then Canada corner is another heavy braking zone. And then from there, you know, going up to uh, 13 and 14 and then back onto the, uh, the straight for the finish line. So uh, it's definitely a, a tough race for sure. I mean, we've seen cars, uh, uh, big crashes in the past there as well. Uh, you know, AJ Foyt got hurt pretty badly in 1991 when cart raced there. 
uh, the, you know, so certainly, uh, it's definitely a, a track where Nine, things can 90 happen. actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. 1990. Yeah. So that was, um, yeah, one of, uh, the, uh, I guess highlights of, uh, or not highlights, but certainly one of the, uh, you know, moments big of crashes, AJ Foyce's yeah. career where he had big crashes. So that's, uh, definitely something to look out for as well. Mamo Gidley you know, crashed yeah, there. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, Catherine Leg had a huge crash at Canada Corner, or not yeah. Canada Corner? Um, just be- and um, is it no? It the uh, it was uh the kink over there. Yeah. Uh, she went off and had a huge wreck. That's the same place where in the IMSA race back in '86, Davy Jones went and tried to eat it in a BMW prototype. Uh, big wreck there. I think it was 86. Yeah. Kanan had a big one too, a few years ago, I think, or something like that. Like, I think he uh, crashed into kink like in 2016 or 17 when he was at Ganassi. It, it, it might have been in practice and not a race, but remember he had a, a big incident there too in the last, uh, you know, five or six years. Yeah. That's the, the fact is everything you're talking about in regards to who to look at was right on but i also that's the main thing road america if there's there's certain circuits in this country that are epic circuits that's one of them that's full commitment all the time you have to be on four mile circuit honestly it should be in formula one uh that would be a great test um, IndyCar, of course, gets to go there. IMSA gets to go there, thankfully, and we get a lot of great racing there. NASCAR actually will be there here in a few weeks' time. July fourth, yeah, yeah, July for 4th. July fourth weekend. So we'll have um, eighteen lap cautions at a fifty lap race. So that'll be great. But for actual proper racing, we'll have the IndyCars, uh, Pato. No Rosenquist, of course. Um, hopefully, he'll be all right and he'll come back here a couple weeks' time. But, I mean, I think the storylines are that battle between O'Ward and Polo. Uh, you add the two champion drivers in, uh, Dixon and Joseph Newgarden. There's a lot of really competitive cars right now. Uh, the rookie battle, Jimmy Johnson has had time. He's tested there. Grosjean was able to test there. Uh, you know, McLaughlin too. But then you also add the new, you have Askew, of course, who's been in an IndyCar, but not for Ed Carpenter. Uh, you also have Kevin Magnuson, who's just going to be jumping into an IndyCar sight unseen. But Kevin Magnuson has been doing this for all these years. It's kind of similar to his father it's all following his father's path uh so i think kevin magnuson i think for the next like 25 years is just gonna be making tons of money winning races um now that he's in the united states after struggling uh at times and not having the greatest situation in europe uh driving in formula one uh qualifying is going to be really difficult uh to get a decent starting spot there uh, this weekend at Road America for sure. Uh, F1 at Paul Ricard. We haven't uh, hit Formula One. I've uh, had a couple weeks off um, after the uh, Azerbaijan 
Grand Prix, Baku, Perez winning for Red Bull. Uh, Verstappen still holds a four-point lead because he crashed. Uh, Hamilton had a chance to win and gave it away on the restart, the green-white checkered. And then you have 36 points to Perez. Lando Norris is fourth, 39 points back. Leclerc is fifth, 53 points back. Um, and he didn't even start the Monaco Grand Prix after qualifying on pole. Um, then you had Valtteri Botas is sixth, uh, likely out at Mercedes. Signs, Gasly, Vettel, Ricardo, your top 10. Um, to me, at, at some point, Lewis has to answer. Um, he really, I mean, it, honestly, the last couple of races, they had a strategy where they could have possibly won either or both of those, and they screwed themselves, but then at the same token, they didn't have pace. Ricard uh, is a track that kind of suits Mercedes and has since that returned on the calendar. Can they go and respond now? against Red Bull with two drivers that are driving at a high level uh, when Mercedes only has one. Uh, will um, Hamilton just go and do what Hamilton has done for most of his freaking career and, and go next level? Or will he be on the back foot with Verstappen and Perez uh, struggling there? And then you add Ferrari, that whole dynamic with uh, Leclerc, the way he's been qualifying, and signs always in the races. Uh, midfield battle, of course, is uh, depends on the day and depends on the track. Uh, Aston Martin fared well at the street courses, but who will um, come up behind that? I mean, McLaren's kind of in between there uh, in regards to that third team. But then you have the Alpines, you have the Alpha Tories, you have uh, whatever, um, trying to remember the Aston Martins, you know, and then that's so that's six teams right there. Um, then you have the Alpha Slobbers, you have the Williams, um, trying to remember what the. And Haas. And yeah, well, Putin Haas, whatever. Uh, so uh, to me, I think Lewis answers. I don't know if it's going to be on Saturday in qualifying, but I do think he comes back and finally gets a win again after a short, I say finally. I mean, it's only been a couple of races, but for him, that's theoretically a dry spell. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Lewis responds, gets a win, take retakes the points lead. Uh, from Verstappen, but what are you thinking, Josh, in regards to this weekend at Ricard? Well, I mean, on the other side of that, I mean, this is a, another opportunity for uh, Max Verstappen to extend his point lead over uh, Lewis Hamilton. At Baku, had a chance to win, the the tire failed, and now uh, has a, a chance to basically it's a do over since both of them did not score points. So now he has a chance to. Uh, win a, another race and extend his point lead uh over 
uh, Lewis Hamilton. And I think the question is, is, is he going to have the car that'll give him the opportunity to do that? And I think it's definitely possible. And you have to wonder if, if, uh, if they lead, uh, practice and elite qualifying, I think shouldn't have any issues, uh, as long as they, uh, get the right, uh, pit strategy, tire strategy with, uh, the race, they're able to manage it correctly and give, uh, max opportunity to win the race. I mean, on, on the other hand, uh, Lewis, they, they've, uh, got to answer back. And if, uh, you know, they can kind of pull, uh, some, you know, tricks like what they've done at the, you know, the beginning of the year where they were able to execute some strategy better than, than, uh, uh, Red Bull, I think, uh, they'll have the opportunity to win as well but it's going to be another chapter in the fight between uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. But then also, you know, you talked about the midfield. Uh, we, we've seen what uh, Lando Norris is able to do this year. And I, I think uh, the question is, is, uh, is his teammate going to have the same pace or is he going to uh, finish as well as uh, uh, Lando Norris? And I think uh, Daniel Ricciardo uh, is a great driver, but he's just not been comfortable or quite as comfortable as he'd like to be in that uh, McLaren car this year. And uh, if you're a fan of Ricciardo, it's definitely kind of disappointing uh, considering uh, McLaren kind of being on the comeback after the last couple of years of not being as relevant as they should be. And I I think for uh, for him, he's got to be able to uh, improve his results. And I think this will be a race where they can maybe match or, you know, finish better than uh, Lando Norris. And then I think Alpine's another team that uh, has an opportunity to uh, score points. We've seen what they've been able to do this year. They just extended Espan Ocon and Alonso uh, scored points in Baku. So we'll see uh, what kind of uh, pace they have this weekend. If they're able to, uh, you know, get in the points uh, midfield, you know, score like a, a, a fifth to 10th place finish is probably where they'll end up or something like that. So we'll see. But uh, I think the other story storyline that we have to talk about is the, the tire situation with Pirelli. We saw the failures with Max Verstappen. We saw it with, uh, uh, with, with uh, uh, not Lando, but um, uh, I can't believe I forgot his name, but Ricardo. Uh, yeah. Not Rick. Well, Ricardo had it too, but the, the other incident from Baco, um, uh, the pay driver, uh, at, at Aston Martin, uh, oh, stroll, yeah, stroll, stroll. He blew yeah, a Lance tire stroll. he blew a tire as well. Yeah. Yeah. Blanked on that, but no, it's, um, yeah, he blew a tire too. So I think, um, you know, some drivers had some questions about the tire safety. I think for Stappen has been pretty vocal about the situation with, uh, Pirelli and the, uh, stability of the tires. Uh, Hamilton seems to think it, it, uh, it's fine and that Pirelli should be blamed for the failures. So, yeah. you know, there's two different perspectives there. So I think uh, this weekend is be a, interesting to see uh, the uh, performance of the Pirellis. If there's uh, issues with a uh, tire where um, hopefully there's no blowouts, but you know, it certainly could be possible the type of speeds that they have at that racetrack. So I think that's something we have to watch for too. Yeah. And they, and you brought up the point with the pressures there, Josh, and they have Pirelli's already came out and made, uh, technical directive changes where you have to run higher pressures, which the similar to one of the Goodyear talking points where people run the tires too low and then they blame it on that uh, instead of, you know, the fact they just make a shitty product. Uh, Pirelli generally has gotten really brutal uh, reviews over time, but Honestly, their tires have been fine. Um, Most of the field was able to get through that race without a problem. 
it was two isolated incidents. Uh, it's pretty bad because it happened on the front straight. And in one of the cases, it was going to be the guy that was going to win the race. That's really why it's such a big deal. But in turn, you don't give them the opportunity to test on a modern car. Or maybe they changed that, but I, I swear that the last time we had it, it was like a couple-year-old car. So how do you expect to go and get the kind of data that you need to make a good tire? Um, that's part of the problem, but hopefully they won't have that recard because it's a smart, uh, smoother track. Um, it's basically you, you go and get dizzy. Um, watching races there because they got about 850 configurations of that racetrack. We'll get into the NASCAR triple header at uh, Nashville. We'll start with the Rackley Roofing 200. Josh, um, I'll go to you for the uh, truck series. Uh, you have Ryan Priest driving a DGR uh, Ford this weekend. Uh, Josh Berry driving a Rackley uh, number 25, the regular car uh, truck. And then William Byron randomly making a truck start after his dominant uh, one year that he had in uh, trucks with uh, Fugel. And uh, he'll be driving a second a Rackley War truck there. Chastain will be in this race. Uh, looks like well, no Kyle Busch. So that'll make it a little more interesting. Ty Majeski will be in um uh in a in a Thor Sport truck. You'll so that'll be what four Thor Sport trucks there. Lawless Allen, one of the greatest names that's ever been. Uh, will be in a Reum truck. Uh, Maggot Sympathizer race. Ciccarelli, who said he was going to quit driving, seems to still show up uh, for whatever fucking reason that is. Um, trying to see who else is there, but Trey Hutchins is actually back after they they chicken. What is it? Uh, uh, what are they called? That. Uh, What's that? Uh, he's gonna make. He's gonna two piece. Uh, somebody. Yeah, they two piece that truck. But Trey Hutchins is actually on the entry list. But I don't know. He'll have to probably qualify on time. Uh, I mean, is it is it John Hunter for you, Josh, or do you? Is there somebody else that could possibly go in there and win, and uh, some what of a wild card for um tomorrow night's uh, truck series race. Yeah, I, I think we have to go with uh, John Hunter, but it's going to be a, a wild card event. I think in general, because of it being a new racetrack. And I think we may see a, a totally unexpected winner here uh, at this race. I mean, we might, maybe we see one of the other Kyle Busch cars like Chandler Smith or uh, Drew Joller uh, have a chance uh, if they're up there but i think we'll also have to consider some of the regulars as well like sheldon creed uh you know after last week uh early exit at texas does he uh come back and uh get hit uh, a win this year um does uh ben rhodes uh, i mean he was dominant to start the year before 
uh, John Hunter took over the series? Does he uh, get a win? Uh, somebody like um, Matt Crafton does, uh, you know, he might be the only driver that really has experience at Nashville uh, besides Johnny Souter. Uh, does he have a, a chance to win? So I think there's a, a lot of drivers that could win this race. And uh, I mean, I don't think it'll be really like, like uh you know totally like topsy turvy uh, as far as like you know cautions happening like every other lap or something like that but uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting race a uh, concrete surface uh it's probably going to be a, a lot of well I, it doesn't really affect the truck series that much but uh you know it'll be a little bit of arrow push probably and but they'll they'll be able to draft each other uh somehow it works in the truck series but it doesn't work in cup but um you know the race will be interesting so i think the the safe bet for sure is probably john hunter nemechek though i'd agree with that for sure i mean john hunter is basically angling to whether it's an xfinity ride next year or possibly cup if Kurt doesn't move over to that team, as the rumors say, for 2311, um, I would think that John Hunter would be somebody they would look at. I think if there's somebody else that would be a favorite or somebody to go after, it would be Sheldon Creed after some of the brutal races he's had. Of course, last race at Texas was an example of that. But he immediately talked about, oh, we're going to have practice, we're going to have qualifying, put ourselves in a position so we're not in that spot. Uh, Creed needs points, he needs stage points, playoff points, the whole bit. So I think that's an opportunity for him and that two-truck out of GMS, the defending series champion. Saturday's... Race will be the Tennessee Lottery 250, 42 drivers for, I think, 38 spots there. Um, Kyle Busch will be in this race. Tyler Reddick will be in this race driving for Jordan Anderson. Uh, Timmy Hill will be driving a MBM number 13 with some maggot sympathizing crap on the car. Um, Austin Hill will be making his first of six starts this year in the number 61 in the Hattori Racing slash uh, MBM car. Uh, so that's that. You go and talk about. I mean, for me, I'm going to go and say, I could go out on a limb. I'm going to go out and I'm going to say, Hemrick finally goes and gets that first win um concrete surface i think it suits uh hemrick's driving style a lot more than some of these other deals um i think he'll uh have a chance for sure they'll give him a fast race car it is in toyota one of toyota's backyards because they build a lot of their vehicles in the nashville in the Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee area. So that would be an opportunity for him. Um, but you can't count out Sindrick. You can't count out uh, some of the other guys like uh, Allgaier uh, and the like that have been at this for a while and are really competitive. Uh, how about you, Josh? Who do you look at for... Uh, this weekend at uh, 
Nashville for Xfinity. Well, uh, I'll go with the other Joe Gibbs favorite car in uh, Kyle Busch in the number 54. Uh, I, I, I think uh, this will be win number 100 for him and definitely see that could uh, be happening this weekend. Uh, the other aspect of that is if they continue or return the tradition of giving the winner a guitar and we saw him destroy the guitar in 2009 when he won there. Uh, and uh, that was a lot of people were mad at him for that, but, you know, looking back on it, it was pretty entertaining. So uh, that's the only reason why I want to see him win. And also for 100, maybe yeah. he went goes out and destroys the guitar again, if they give it to him. So uh, that's what I look for in this race. Maybe it'll just go firewall deep and then we'll wait till the next race to go and get to 100, but whatever. He's never going to quit driving Xfinity as much as he says he's going to drive. He's going to quit at 100 races. Joe Gibbs is going to be like, I need sponsorship, so you're going to drive. And tell him to pray 10 Hail Marys to make up for the fact he can't perform in a sack. Um, We'll go to the ally 400 cup series race for the um, last part of the preview uh, you have david star and a number 13 with uh, my buddy sebastian as the listed crew chief joey gase and uh, rick ware number 15 um other than that you have smithley uh, Chad Fincham in the 66 for MBM. Haley in the 77 for Spire and BJ McLeod driving for himself. Number 78. And I mean, I, 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 it's Kyle Larson. I, there's his, it's really Kyle Larson wins everywhere. Uh, I mean, the only place he didn't win last week was at the dirt late model dream uh, because brandon overton swept the whole entire three-day show and won over two hundred seventy thousand dollars in the process he was kind of butthurt about that but freaking larson won like four hundred thousand or four hundred fifty thousand or wherever the hell the purse was there's a million dollars in the race itself but then there's probably other incentives and things on top of that so I don't know what the heck he's mad about in regards to that, but I think it's Larson or bust, right, Josh? Well, I think that's easy to say because Larson has dominated the series the last month and has had one of the best cars in the entire season. But, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Brad Keselowski win this race. Uh, this was his first career win in NASCAR going back to 2008 when he was running the 88 Navy car for junior motorsports. And he passed Clint Boyer on the last restart with like six laps to go. So at Nashville, so I could see him winning this race. And I mean, I want to go with guys that have experience racing at this racetrack. And you have to look at all the, the guys that have been veterans going, you know, back to the early mid two thousands, like, you know, Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, uh, Ryan Newman, uh, uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, Kyle Busch and Truex. And so I think those guys are the guys that you look out for at this racetrack who probably at, at least at the beginning of the race will, uh, you know, understand the racetrack and how, how to handle it. So, uh, I'm going to go with Keselowski, you know, first cup race here at Nashville, uh, throw it back to his first win in 2008. He wins this race. I'll take that. That wouldn't be a bad one. It would be nice to see with the practice, some of these cars and teams that have struggled uh for the most part this year kind of make a move forward 
to kind of sweeten the pot in regards to the playoff grid because of the opportunities to go and make it in um, into the playoffs with all the races and all the new races that are up there with the practice and the qualifying. I'm going to throw to you, Josh, in regards to the Firecracker 400 and any other exploits you have uh, on the sim side of things before we um, close out for the night. Yeah, so the Firecracker 400 is a sim racing event on uh, iRacing uh, sanctioned by the eracer.gg uh, I guess uh, league uh, they've they've done a lot of racing events uh, last year and this year uh, last year they did with the Firecracker 400 with the 1987 NASCAR uh, cup cars and they've returned to do it again this year and it's a, a pretty big event uh, with 400 entries or 400 50 entries uh in the race and so the way it works is you had uh four heat rates so you had eight eight preliminary events to get to the qualifying or and then and the way that works is there's four heat races in each preliminary and then uh the top seven in each heat make it to the main uh preliminary event and then you have uh, a last chance consolation race uh and then that's uh with uh, the top 10 from that race, make it to the preliminary main event. And then from, from that race in the preliminary, the top 11, uh, make it to the qualifying event. And in total, there'll be eight next week. There'll be 88, uh, people qualifying for, uh, 43 spots in the firecracker 400, which will be held a week later. And then the bottom 44 will get, uh, or 40 cars will get, uh, put into the firecracker 200. And there's going to be like two alternate drivers in case somebody can't make it into the race. Uh, so, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, things have to happen in order to determine the uh the main field uh in two weeks uh but for me uh was able to compete in this uh preliminary event uh i was uh in my uh the last heat last night race or last night the preliminary number eight and uh raced with uh dale Earnhardt jr in my heat race and finished seventh i think he finished second uh and then from there did not have to get into the uh, consolation race so uh didn't have to have the stress i guess of making it into that but then the preliminary race uh on lap three uh there was a wreck in front of me and i tried to avoid it which i i, I was beginning to and then i guess somebody in the outside lane uh right off the trial also try to avoid it and then he dove in front of me the last second and so i ran into the back of him and then i hit the wall and got a flat tire and then went two laps down because i had to make it all the way back around to the pits uh, from the trial and then, uh, had to get, uh, I had the fast repair, but then I also changed tires as well. Uh, and so I lost the lap there trying to get back onto the racetrack. So I fell two laps down, but then try to stay out and see if I could, you know, get a lucky dog or something and make it back up there. And then, uh, I'm like lap 15, uh, somebody got loose and started to go down the track and then they got onto the apron in turn three or turn four. And then, uh, overcorrected right back into uh, the track and I was starting to avoid it. But then at the last second, they just went back to the right and then got me. And then, uh, they basically took me out. Cause then I had like 20 minutes of repairs since I had already used my fast repair from the first crash. So then ended up finishing last place, uh, in the preliminary and didn't make it into the, the top 88 field to qualify next week, but you know, it was a good event, um, uh, to, uh, compete against, uh, other people, you know, compete against, uh, other NASCAR drivers like Dale jr. Uh, Kyle Busch was also in, uh, one of the other preliminary events and he did not also make it in. So got that in common with him now. Uh, Ed Carpenter, uh, was also in an IndyCar car driver, uh, Ed Carpenter. Uh, I don't know what 
happened to him, but uh, I know he was in a couple of the practice events uh, that I was in uh, against uh, him. Landon Castle was in it too, I think, or at least he was just, uh, I mean, he was announcing the event, so I don't think he actually competed in it. Um, uh, I think Roger Carruth, who's an up-and-coming guy with the uh, K&N series with the drive diversity, uh, he's uh, trying to make that transition from sim racing to real racing. Uh, he was in a couple of the practice events as well, so I don't know if he made it in. Um, and then there's some of the uh, esports uh, drivers for like William Byron, uh, Elliot Sadler, uh, a lot of other guys that uh, uh, that I think like other teams like you know Joe Gibbs Racing and and. Uh, other guys like that who compete regularly and are basically i racing professionals were in this one too so uh, it was a you know pretty tough stout field uh to make it in but you know uh definitely a, a good event to compete in and you know for us we had the, the gsp car that i was able to paint up in the the trading paints uh paint shop uh so the basically just a, instead of Photoshop, uh, just went and it's like a browser in browser tool that trading paints provides, and then just able to slap on the GSP logos and then you have a, a pre-made uh, base paint scheme to use. And so went with that and designed the car and then, you know, it was a pretty good design. So, uh, you know, we'll have to, um, maybe see if we can get a diecast or something with the, the 28, the 28 car. So I, I know you like that a lot. So definitely yeah. a good design there. Yeah. Good work on that, man. I definitely, had the fields because of uh, the 28 and Davey and, you know, all the great drivers that have driven the 28, you know, Davey and Ernie, but, you know, you were able to get that. You had to drive the 25 in the race itself, but um, that's something. But the problem is I have to get a hold of a freaking 87 uh, donor. Uh, there aren't really that many, and you're not trying to go and take something. I was like a Davey 87 which was like a grail car. I was glad to get it. And then probably have what Bill Elliott, like Bill Elliott's car when he won the championship. And then uh, I think Alan Quickie, Alan Quickie's Xerox car. So it's kind of hard to yeah find those, but we'll see. We'll have to find somebody, yeah. Somebody who's willing to sacrifice an 87 T-Bird. But uh, yeah, that was definitely uh cool and looking forward to your exploits as we try to get you into or you get into the big show here as um the weeks go on and get into the big uh, firecracker 400 um race against nascar uh greats like uh, Junebug and the like yeah um, he actually won the preliminary that i was in he made a last lap pass Basically, he had drafting help and took the lead there going to turn three and one. But I mean, I, I didn't make the field, actually. I mean, that but I mean, because the it was the cutoff was like the the transfer spot was in 11th and I didn't finish the race. But no, it was um, still a good experience, though, to be able to race against all those guys, though. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, you've been running the 87 cars and you're also running the Indy car uh, deal. It, it's always cool. I mean, I wish I could be doing that. I probably wouldn't be getting loaded like that to go and do it uh, unless it was like lower level and just say, fuck it. But um, in that sense, to be able to focus and do all that and be able to be in that position is pretty badass. Um, yeah, we'll call it a, a, a show here uh, this evening on episode 65 of the Grip Strip Podcast. 
Um, uh, in regards to where you can find us, you can find the Gripster Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora. Um, we're on um, so philipgmatthew.com is uh, my website. Uh, you can go and find it over there. And, uh, you know, Podbean, of course, is where we share, where we post a show. Um, you can also um, find it in regards to, let me go over here. You can find an iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and um, the Gripture Podcast, 65 episodes now. Um, everything else been posted. You can go on wherever you can get podcasts there, philipgmatthew.com. Uh, you can follow me at philipgmatthew on Twitter as well, at gripstrippod, capital G, capital S, capital P, um, is the uh, website for our, sh- or our handle for our show. We're growing. We're getting downloads. Trying to get more people to listen to us. We talk about race. We talk about sports, wherever it fits. So um, give us a listen. Give us a like. Uh, promote us. Do the best. Do whatever you want to do in regards to it because we're doing this as a passion project for sure at the moment. Uh, Josh, where can we find your uh, streams? Where can we find you on social media? And as always, uh, you know, watch the streams, Twitch TV slash Usiller 2, and then uh, we'll have streams up there. And then, of course, if you miss, you can always see the replay and then, you know, skip through stuff and see all the highlights and stuff. And then uh, on the, the social media side, you know, as always on at Twitter at, at JP Huffine, you know, go and uh, talk to me on there. Well, you know, if, if uh, I tweet during the races, of course, you know, always uh, go back and forth and, you know, go through the emotions of uh, whatever race we're watching and, and get uh, all the analysis there as well. And thank you, as always, for uh, being my loyal and trusty sidekick and uh, putting up with me tonight. It's been a rough uh, few days or a few weeks getting out of this job so um it'll be nice here in a week or two when i actually hopefully have a job that will be uh worthwhile um we'll see what happens with that and we'll have more flexibility too in regards to the number of days that we could possibly go and do the show so we'll be back next week we'll talk about uh formula one at paul ricard talk about IndyCar Road America, NASCAR Nashville, anything else that took place here this coming weekend on the Rifter Podcast we'll talk about, and uh, we'll talk about whatever else comes along, if there's any big sports news, if we have the time to do whatever, especially with football, since uh, we're basically a couple months away from the draft at this point for fantasy football, and at least in the Fall Brawl League. So we'll get in all that. We thank you for listening. Thank you for um, doing the downloads a whole bit. Uh, keep on supporting us. Uh, keep on downloading. Share it with friends. And um, take care of one another. God bless. And good night.